Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of A Fit and Able Life. Our special guest this week is Ashley Twitchell-Walt, who is a local competitive swimmer. You know, we hear a lot about from other runners and triathletes, but we don't often get the perspective from swimmers. And what's cool about Ashley is that not only is she competing at a very high level, but she's going to be trying out for a spot on Team USA later this year to compete at the Summer Olympics. She has a lot to say about how she progressed from high school to college, now onto a professional swimming career, and it's very important for a lot of young athletes to hear what she has to say. So, uh, here is Ashley. Um, Ashley, thank you for joining us today for uh, Fit and Able Life. Um, you, you're one of our going to be one of our most prestigious um, um, interviewees for this uh, podcast. But um, I'd just like to start off with it, having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, so I'm from New York originally, um, lived there my whole life up until college. I went to Duke University, swam there, uh, moved out to California right when I graduated, competed mm -hmm. and trained out there, and came back to North Carolina in 2013, and okay. I've been here since. All right, and can you tell me a little bit about the events that you competed, I guess you swam in high school, mm -hmm. and so can you tell me about your the events you competed in in high school and college? Yeah, so um, high school and college, I was a distance swimmer. Um, so the 200, 500, um, thousands competed a little bit collegiately, and then the mile is at NCAAs. Um, that was always my best, the mile. Mm -hmm. um, I became a distance swimmer about seventh grade, so um, ever since then. And then um, once I graduated college, I be, uh, started doing open water swimming. Okay, open water. So what are the distances with open water? Uh, the Olympic uh, distance is a 10K, and then at World Championships, there's a 5K, a 10K, and a 25K. Whoa. Yeah. So, so mega distance, I now, guess. Now, 25K, where would you actually be swimming for a 25K? So that's, all open water is any, any body of water. Mm -hmm. um, so rivers, dams, lakes, oceans. Um, I only competed in one 25K. It was this past summer at World Championships in Kazan, Russia. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's multiple loops. So every race, every course is different. It can be um, any length, the specific course. So this course was two and a half kilometers. And so we did it 10 times around. Wow. And who mm -hmm. keeps count? Uh, yourself. Really? Um, you have feeders, which are on feeding docks. Mm -hmm. um, and so you stop to feed usually twice per lap. And so your feeders, which are typically the coaches, um, and, and that length of a race, you're, you're stopping for you know, 10, 15 seconds at the feeding docks, treading water, and they'll yell to you what lap you're on just to you know, make sure you know. Yeah, I guess, too, do you ever, with those kind of distances, do you ever pick up your pace towards the end? I mean, does it ever affect your, your, you know, the cadence of your stroke or anything like that when you're finishing it up? Yeah, definitely um, the 5K and the 10K, uh, there's definitely a pickup at some point. It kind of just depends on the race and who's racing and um, who decides when to make a move. Um, the 25K, at least for me, it's, it was a little tough to pick it up at the end just because my body was so depleted of, of all the energy it had um, right. by about 17K. So that was tough. But yeah, um, typically any race, if, if you have it in you, you pick it up towards the end. Wow. So on the feeding docks, um, I've, not, I've never heard that term before, but what kind of nutrition would you put on a feeding dock? I guess water, but mm -hmm. what else? So, um, depends again on the race itself. So cold water, warm water would probably affect um, your feeds. Mm -hmm. Typically I have a sports drink. Um, I use the tier endurance drink mm -hmm. and then I put gels into it and mm -hmm. just shake it up. Uh, for the 25K I had caffeine pills um, in the feeds. But yeah, I usually keep it pretty simple and then water at every, at every feeding dock as well. 
So caffeine pills, is that ever rough on your stomach given you're in a prone position? Is that ever rough on your stomach? I guess um, you train with it. This was the first time I'd actually used it, and mm -hmm. uh, the doctors on the ship told us that, you know, if, if you've had caffeine before, it really shouldn't affect you. I only took one throughout the race, um, and I, I, I couldn't tell when I took it, so I don't think it affected me negatively at all. Oh, that, that's interesting. That's interesting. So, um, and I had, I had not even thought about the part of the distance open water swimming. Are you a triathlete, too? Have you tried triathlon? I haven't, no. Um, <laughs> I've just stuck with swimming. Um, that's about all the training I can fit in right now. Right. Um, I've contemplated possibly pursuing it after I'm done um, focusing on just competitive swimming. That's very cool. Well, triathlon is a great cross-training. I'm just saying. Yeah. Just put it out there <laughs> if you need a coach. <laughs> well, um, now, you're obviously a well-known swimmer. You've had great successes. So what have been your favorite events that you've done? I mean, other than the great, the great wins or the great performances, what have been your favorite events that you've participated in? Yeah, that's always a tough question for me just because I feel like I've been so fortunate to have traveled where I've, where I've traveled. And um, the hospitality at, at each event I've gone to has really been, you know, outstanding. Um, I was actually saying to, to Derek a couple weeks ago, I just realized I've been on six of seven continents, which is really, really cool. That is very um, cool. Yeah. Uh, South Africa, I've gone to, I think, four or five years, um, typically every February, and that's always one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. um, people are amazing. The country is absolutely beautiful. Um, the race they put on is, is one of the largest open water races in the world, so that's always really South fun. South Africa. Mm -hmm. Are you swimming off the coast, and are you aware no, of the Great Whites? No, it's in a dam, so no sharks. Yeah, they, and every time I'm there, they always try to convince me to do a swim that's in Cape Town with the you know sharks right then. I'm like, no, no thanks, not right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, every place I've gone to Rio several times, and um, that's beautiful as well. Portugal is beautiful. Really, really everywhere offers something different. Now, uh, because these are strictly swimming, none of these are wetsuit legal uh, uh, events, are they? Are you Correct. You're not allowed to wear a wetsuit, although FINA just uh, had a ruling uh, about two or three days ago, I believe, at their um, quarterly meeting that wetsuits will now be required in 16 to 18 degrees Celsius water, optional from 18 to 20, and mm -hmm. then above 20 um, prohibited. But that'll definitely be a, a big change in the in the open water world. Have you ever swam with a wetsuit before? I have. I used to do the um, Swim Across America event in the Long mm -hmm. Island Sound when I was in I've high school. I've done that. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely love that. It was really my first open water really it, race. It's um, a scary. It's not really a race, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's scary. Yeah, it is. So I wore a wetsuit in that. Um, I didn't love it just because I got, you know, rashes yeah. and wasn't the burn from the wetsuit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be, it'll definitely be interesting seeing how that plays out in the competitive. Yeah, it really does. It, it makes a lot of difference. Mm -hmm. And I noticed even with the performances that I've done where I had wetsuits, where my performance got better. Mm -hmm. And for all of the reasons that people love wetsuits and they yeah. have to have the rulings on it. A little more buoyant. <laughs> yeah, and a little more buoyant. And, and it, it just makes you slick in the water, too. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Water. I'm surprised almost that they put in the 18 to 20 degree is optional because mm -hmm. I, you know, I know... A lot of us, um, we're not used to wearing wetsuits, so our our instinct would be to go without. Right. But there is that advantage if you wear it. So it's kind of a, a toss-up. I think it'll be interesting to see what people tend to do. Yeah, that will be interesting. Now, um, because you swam in high school and also in college, could you notice a big difference in the intensity and the duration of the practices and how you prepared for the competitions for those age groups? I did, yeah. Um, I was... I was pretty unique in that I didn't do a ton of training in high school, um, especially nowadays most teams, most high schoolers do doubles. Um, I had never done a double until I got to college, so for me that was a huge change. 
Um, and I think for me, personally, part of the reason I'm still swimming. Um, when I got to college, like doing a double was fun and exciting, mm -hmm. and um, a lot of my teammates were already you know, dreading waking up that early and dreading the double, and um, it allowed me to still, at age 26, not you know, be sick of the sport or burnt out. Um, and then also added in dry land when I got to college. I hadn't done any dry land or weightlifting beforehand. So it was definitely more intense, definitely took me some time getting used to. But, you know, my first year at Duke, I dropped a lot of times in all my events. So I think it was it was huge for me. Yeah, it was. Now, a lot of people might not understand what doubling is. I know in running that means a morning, afternoon, mm -hmm. evening workout where you're splitting your workout up. Mm -hmm. I, sat, I assume it's the same for swimming. Yeah, yeah, which is, um, you know, I give a lot of credit to all those high school kids who do it. It's, it's really tough to, you know, wake up before school and do a practice, go to school all day long, come to afternoon workout, do your homework, sleep. It's, it's a right. lot. It's a lot to balance. It is. So how do you balancing it now that you're an adult and you're swimming at a much higher level? How do you balance your schedule, your training, and everything else that you're involved with? Yeah, so um, I'm not in school right now or studying, so um, that's something that's off the table. Um, the training is still intense, uh, not quite as much volume or time as I was doing right when I graduated. I was out in California. I was training in the pool alone probably 25 hours a week so just a lot a lot of yardage and really all my downtime was just spent recovering um, right. had really no energy to do anything else um, doing a little less volume now which is nice gives my body a little more time to recover um, able to do a little better in workouts yeah yeah now what advice would you give for kids that are in a high school program and wanting to move up to the college level what advice would you give for them in terms of their training or um, just even choosing a school, you know, a program that is going to fit their their goals, their mm -hmm. athletic goals. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, I kind of got started in the process pretty late. Um, you know, now I, kids are getting started so early, deciding where they're going to school or, or, you know, considering schools, talking to schools. And I think if you're into it, to get you know, the earlier you can get started, the better. Just kind of feeling things out. Um, you know, the big things you can hone in on just to narrow schools down are the size of school you want. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you want urban or, or rural or suburban, what kind of, um, you know, what kind of outside of college life you want. Right. All that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the academics, what kind of academics do you want? Um, do you want a combined female and male program, some team? Do you want a separate program? Um, all that kind of stuff plays into it. And, and as you feel things out, you'll, you'll see what suits you. And the biggest thing for me was taking my recruiting trips. Um, on paper, to me, before I went on recruiting trips, I was in love with Villanova University. And mm -hmm. I, I thought I would probably end up there. And um, I liked it on my trip. Um, I liked the team. I liked the coaches. I liked the school. Um, but as soon as I went to Duke, which was my last recruiting trip, I just I fell in love with everything. It just it felt right. And I remember coming home from my last trip and and telling my parents, you know, I I love Duke. I want to go there. And they said, well, like, what didn't you like about the other schools? And what? And it, I couldn't even really verbalize anything. It was just a feeling mm -hmm. I had. Um, and I think, you know, that's the biggest thing. It's it's a really tough decision. It's a really big decision. It's a decision that's going to affect you certainly. Um, but I think just going with your heart and your gut is, is huge. Right. I never thought of making a decision about what program you chose, whether or not it was a single gender or mm -hmm. co-ed. What's the difference in those kind of programs? What would sway somebody one way or the other with that? Yeah, so I mean, I went to um, a co-ed program, so the men and women are trained together. Um, and there are several like that, and there are several that are separate. And so you have the, the men's team who are in there, they have different coaches, um, different practice times, and then you have the women's team with different coaches, different practice times. Um, and for me, I love training with the boys, um, getting pushed. I just, I like the dynamic of having men and women there. Right. Um, 
And but I know I know some people, some females love just training with females, and mm -hmm. and some yeah. males just love training with males. So, um, you know, most I think all high school teams pretty much um, are combined. Right. Um, but yeah, just something else to think about. Yeah, I, w I could see that. It seems like being though with a male group, it would in fact push the females mm -hmm. to go harder, faster, longer. All yeah, those good things. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can totally understand that. Yeah. So what advice would them, you know, for a high school student that is just, you know, thinking about swimming in college, you know, is it an option for most kids? Are swimming programs very competitive? or Do they have walk-on programs and things like that? Yeah, I mean, there are certainly walk-ons at um, swim programs, and there's, you know, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. Um, I would say the best advice is, is talking to your high school coach and getting their feedback. Um, it can't hurt to email college coaches, get mm -hmm. their feedback, put in um, you know, fill out questionnaires, even for schools you, you might not think you're interested in, you really never know. Um, and so if you start early, you can get a ton of information mm -hmm. and then just kind of narrow it down from there. Right. Now, a lot of people I know that swim in college, once they get through or run or a lot of collegiate mm -hmm. sports, once they get done with their program, they are not doing that sport anymore. Mm -hmm. Clearly you are. And so, and I really like that concept of being a lifelong whatever mm -hmm. it is, that you're a lifelong swimmer, a lifelong runner, that you're doing, you're not burning out as a young person. Mm -hmm on the sport right and that you're still loving it as an adult and you're still using that in part of your fitness and training plan right how is it that you went beyond college in your swimming um, yeah well I mean like you said you know I graduated um, there were seven girls in my in my graduating class and I'm certainly only one swimming and I don't think any of them have even touched water since you know even just <laughs> recreationally they, they to get their exercise in they do they run they do spin classes they do Pilates they don't want to go near the water right um, like I said earlier I credit part of that to not having done doubles in high school um, I think it it kept my love for the sport um, I wasn't you know getting tired of it I think that can be very draining in high school depending on your personality I think some some kids thrive off of it and do very well um, but for me I think that was kind of a blessing in disguise um, it made you know, I possibly could have been faster and, and gone to a higher ranked school. Um, but for me, like, you know, I'm still swimming and that's, that's more than worth it. I wouldn't have changed my decision for anything. Um, but yeah, just maintaining that love for the sport in any way you can. Right. Now, I always ask people, what is your definition of fit and able? Obviously, your definition would be able to do what you want to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> but has there ever been a time that you were not able to do what you wanted to do in your athletics? And how did you deal with that? Um, well, yeah, I had sur shoulder surgery um, about a year and a half ago now, um, July of 2014. Um, and that was a really tough decision to make, something I had kind of put off for about two years. Mm -hmm. um, tried to go the route of not surgery, just giving it rest out of the pool. And um, it came time where that wasn't really an option anymore. So I had surgery and it was about six weeks totally out of the water. And that was really hard for me um, because it wasn't my choice to be out of the water. It was forced and mm -hmm. uh, that was certainly tough. But within about a week, I was able to do dry land stuff. Um, and, you know, as I started getting back into it, um, Derek, you know, trained with me some and just just staying like mentally positive was huge for me um, and and not allowing my mind to to be really negative. Right. Well, you know, that is hard for people that love their sport mm -hmm. to stay out of it. I know runners, um, runners have that same issue. Mm -hmm. I know I had that when I was a runner mm -hmm. and I came up with an injury and they're sitting out six weeks, are you nuts? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what am I supposed to do? Right, well, and for me, I think, you know, it kind of, it, it sparked that love 
for me again. I realized, you know, how much I did miss it when I was out. And, you know, when, when you're in the daily grind of it day after day, you can sometimes, you know, lose track of that. And um, so those four, six weeks out, even though they weren't fun, even though they were mentally challenging, it did make me realize how much I loved it, how much, you know, I still wanted to keep pursuing my goals and, and get back into the water. That absencing fonder thing mm-hmm. kind of comes into play. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so real quickly, what is your next big event? Um, I'm going to the Grand Prix in Orlando in March, um, just kind of as a check-in meet. Um, I'll do Open Water Nationals in April, and then Olympic trials at the end of June are, are certainly, um, you know, the biggest thing Yeah, on the table. so where, where are the Open Water Nationals this Open year? Water Nationals are in uh, Fort Myers, Florida, again, so they've been there for a few years now. Um, and it's a beautiful venue, great venue, so I'm excited for that. That's great. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining thank us you. for Fit and Able Life. Thank you. <laughs> Ashley has a lot of important things to say to athletes of all types, whether they're competitive, recreational, or just a new athlete entering the sport. As she said, the important thing is finding a way to maintain your love for the sport. That's what's going to carry you through all the ups and downs, whether you're injured or just having a bad competition day, you know, whatever it may be, you need to find what will keep you going forward. And, that, that, and that's the key thing for people, all sports, no matter what they're trying to do. And as you said earlier, Ashley's going to be competing to, uh, for a spot on Team USA, and we certainly wish her the best of luck and look forward to seeing her swim uh, later this summer at the Olympics. Again, thank you for listening to Fit and Able Life. Please subscribe to us on YouTube and, uh, or iTunes, and we look forward to seeing you next week.